This podcast is sponsored by Mountain Made CBD. Which CBD is right for you? Build, boost, or recover. Made with pure CBD crystals for the cleanest, clearest, and most maximized dose on the market, Mountain Made's team bring a history of formulating hemp products since 2009, along with over a decade of experience in fitness and wellness. Mountain Made CBD tablets are designed and created for the activated lifestyle. If you are looking to enhance your active lifestyle, Mountain Made's natural blends and formulas will rise to the challenge just like you. Get outside and crush life with Mountain Made CBD. Visit them at www.mountainmade.life and find them on Instagram at M-N-T-M-A-D-E, Mountain Made. Now let's get into this episode. Welcome back to the Black Biohacker Podcast. Today's guest is Marco Mulebach, Reiki teacher and social media helper. Marco, thank you so much for being on the Black Biohacker Podcast. Hey, Kamar, thanks for having me on, brother. Happy to be here. I want to know your journey that's gotten you to where you are today and how Reiki and movement have impacted you. Right on, man. Yeah, I mean, I was this soul floating up in space and then I saw Earth and I saw my mom and my dad. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> my, my journey, I would say my journey did start pretty young, though. Um, just being in elementary school, I was more interested in Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings, and basically being a wizard than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and being raised Roman Catholic, that was sort of a, a kind of a taboo. Magic wasn't necessarily something that they um, promoted, although Reiki is actually something that they use in a handful of their sacraments of laying of the hands and healing of the sick and anointing of the sick, which I, I found out later. But Essentially what happened for me is I just kind of went along with what everyone told me to do, go to college. Um, I only spent like two months in college before realizing that, okay, there's, there's definitely something more uh, out there for me than just going to school and then going to work and working for somebody else. And um, I actually had some help from uh, psilocybin, the master mushrooms, and um, kind of just opened my eyes to the reality the truth, like the veil that's been pulled over our eyes in terms of employment, in terms of government, the medical system. And so my cherry kind of got popped in college. And that was the thing that really led me into what I, what I would consider like the darkest point of my life, where I was contemplating suicide. I was effectively enacting a, a very slow suicide, just not eating and not taking care of my body and just went total rogue. I was very disgusted by humanity and what human beings were doing to themselves. And then of course, like not realizing it had a lot of disgust towards myself. And so mushrooms kind of opened my eyes to um, that there could be more than that, that there's some like grand plan, that there is indeed a God or a higher power. Um, And so I, I effectively dropped out of college. And two weeks later, my mother introduced me to my Reiki master. Um, which I thought Reiki was more mushrooms <laughs> when she first <laughs> introduced me there. I was like, Mom, you want me to do what? And, um, and, so, and so she introduced me to this woman named Marissa Morris um, who lived about an hour away from me. And I hopped on the phone with her, and I wasn't sure what it was, but it felt so different to be speaking to someone in just that wasn't like wrapped up in the matrix. And so I was like, sure, I'll give this thing a shot. I'm super open. And it was, it was like night and day. As soon as I laid down 
and she, she opened with the blessing. And as soon as I felt her hands over my face, it was as if though I had taken a breath after being held underwater for years and years and years. And I felt all the stress and all the anxiety and the, and the hatred just kind of like mellow out. And I got to this really, really peaceful um, and serene place. And that kind of did it for me, man. I decided during that session, the first thing I think I said when, I, when, I, when we completed the session was like, that was amazing. Can I learn to do that? Mm. And so um, I started training with her and, and going through um, you know, the attunements that, uh, that uh, Reiki practitioners in the West provide. And over the course of three years, became a practitioner. And then about four to five years into that journey, uh, I became a, a master and a teacher, which was, I think, ultimately my goal because what I was able to learn right up front, and when it comes to Reiki, it's all about self-healing. Like, mm-hmm. You can't be a healer unless you're actively working on the self. And so what I found, all the benefits uh, for me in terms of self-healing, the first things that I learned um, with my desire to start practicing Reiki was just learning how to like take ownership of my morning, get my meditations in. My teacher taught me this great thing. It's called RPM, mm-hmm. rise, piss, meditate. And so that just like kind of like geared me up. And I stopped watching all the conspiracy videos that I was watching and consuming, changed up my diet, started moving a lot more. I was, I was raised um, in doing martial arts. And so I got back more into my martial arts and oh, I found cool. yoga. Yeah, so it was, it, like it all just kind of just started compounding onto me and, and um, yeah my, I just I just kind of watched my life gradually just start to kind of bloom it felt like a winter for me when I was in college but then the spring of, of Reiki came and um, and I was finally allowed to bloom oh. and it was it, dude it, it's just Reiki has brought me to like literally the like the um, the doorsteps of giants I've had um, a handful of opportunities to work with some really, really wealthy and influential people, uh, in this country. And, um, I'm just, I'm, I'm just like humbly there to remind people that peace is just one breath away, that it's just one heartbeat away. And that it just, it takes a moment to shift the state of conscious awareness into a harmonious vibration from whatever vibration, from mm-hmm. any vibration. And I've worked with a hand, like lots of different, like, women who've been dealing with, you know, sexual trauma and miscarriages, men are dealing with stress and work, all this, just all kinds of things. And it's, it's really kind of like a, a miracle that is existed is like latent in all of us, this ability to just like slow down, breathe, and just tap into like their embodiment practices, ultimately tapping into the breath, tapping into the sensation of sound, tapping in to um, the heartbeat and then getting into the more mental and emotional layers, which is really where I kind of got super heady and excited. I was like, Oh wow, this is like a freaking video game. Yeah. I can like go in and, and like work on parts of myself. I started learning about the chakras and all that good stuff as well. And like, wow, I can work on these energy centers, compartmentalize and work on these energy centers. And those actually have real life practices and, um, and then got really into studying uh, kind of like ancient ancient traditions. Reiki is a, a Japanese lineage, and so went and, and studied that, but then started studying more of like the Cabal and um, Gnostic traditions and Native American traditions. And um, ultimately, it's all alchemy, personal alchemy, personal transformation. 
that got me hooked. And Reiki was kind of my um, my introduction to that world. And so that's kind of, and then Sacred Sons, I feel like I could spend another five, ten minutes just rapping on what we're doing with Sacred Sons. Oh, which yeah, is please do. Reiki also brought me to that, which was pretty cool. I got um, invited to share a Reiki workshop at um, this event called Tribe Family. Is this, is this a part of Sacred Sons? Yeah, this was, this was like pre-Sacred Sons. Um, my buddy, Adam Jackson, who was like one of my, he was probably like my first, I like to call him my brother dad. Uh-huh. He, was, he was like a decade older than me. So yeah, he, had, he invited me to come do a Reiki workshop where I kind of like talk a little bit about Reiki and then give people an opportunity to practice in a safe environment with each other. And um, we did that two years in a row. And then things, you know, life happened. We kind of grew distant. But then we came back together and we're, we're just very clear on the fact that there's an offering for men. We didn't know what to call it. And it was myself, Jason, or sorry, myself, Adam, and then Albert, who um, Albert is another one of the co-founders. Uh, we were sitting in his backyard and we were talking about like just what, what's the common struggle for men or the common issue for men and a lot of it was revolved around like you know daddy issues father issues but this this idea that there's an absent father even if the father is there to have a man like a a male role model in in your life that is emotionally absent and mentally absent well it's dude it's it's, it might as it might as well be physical physically absent and in some ways it can even be more detrimental if they're mentally and emotional absent but not physically absent because it, it twists the mind in a really interesting way and so this this commonality of being sons was something that kind of stood out to us and then asking ourselves the question of like what is sacred anymore because religion has like a they have this dogma around what is sacred uh, but ultimately that's a question for all of us to answer in our own space which is like what Reiki allowed me to ask and answer some of those questions for myself so asking ourselves, like, what is sacred? What does it mean to be a son? It was kind of a no-brainer. And then Sacred Sons was born. We brought Jason on board. And it was just like we just we put together our first event, Convergence, which is about 70 men joined us out in the desert. And it was kind of a stretch because I had been in the festival scene for a couple of years. But having 70 dudes in the desert, I was like, oh, what are we doing here? And then it became very clear once 70 men showed up and there was all this, you know, anxiety and fear and trepidation. But like the dudes showed up, right? It was one of those things where like, okay, we're, we're definitely onto something here. And then we were, we're a little bit over a year in and we just did, um, we just did a, one of our EMX, which is like a smaller uh, immersion experience, weekend oh. immersion experience. And we actually had, we had the Guardian out. Then they were doing a, which is a like I think the fourth biggest newspaper okay. or media outlet in the world, and they were doing a, uh, they're doing a documentary on healthy masculinity in 2020, and they started with Sacred Sun. So wow, congratulations! It's, 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 thank you, brother. Yeah, it's, it's it's exciting. It's really exciting. I'm I'm happy that ultimately, like this medicine is going to reach more brothers because so much of this um, this Sacred Sun's mission is about reminding the brothers that the lone wolf thing like we were never designed to be lone wolves we're pack we're pack animals and so it's it's cool that you know mainstream media is starting to take hold and social media has been such a powerful platform for not only sacred sons but for myself to just 
really connect with the people that are, are hungry for the knowledge. I just assumed that it's been around for a long time. I didn't realize that this is, you guys are just, would you just say over a year in? Yeah, man. We're, um, our first event was in October of 2018. It, it feels like a long time ago, especially yeah. with like the level, the level of um, credibility yeah. that we've, um, that we've stirred up. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's, it's pretty, it's surprising to me still, as well, how, how fast things have, have progressed. We're definitely living in a, a mental health crisis age right now, and having a space like Sacred Sons is definitely powerful for what's going on in this time. How often do you guys have retreats for Sacred Sons? So it's, it's actually, it's, it's shifted so much. Um, we started off with just the big convergence, um, which is like, Again, 80, like 75 men showed up to the first one, I think 100 to the second one. And then the third time that we did it, it was, I think, we did it twice weekends back to back. Um, and that was like 125 men okay. each weekend. Um, and then we started introducing the EMX format, which is, we seems like we've been doing one a month for the past like six months in different locations. And that's like a 25 man, 25 to 30 man uh experience and uh emx stands for embodied masculine experience and so but what we realized was that there's a need for like daily connection yeah and so what we did is we partnered with a uh, an app called mighty networks and what they do is it's essentially like a private social media platform that you can post they've got you know direct messaging capabilities you can set up events it's like a facebook without all the Facebook stuff. It's just, so it's just sacred sons. Yeah. And um, so we created what we're calling the brothership, which is the $33 membership that gives the brothers access to um, the app. They're able to post, they're able to network and connect with other brothers. And, um, and the, the true value of it to me is like, we have uh, weekly calls uh, that are like virtual men's circles. So effectively we have virtual men's circles going on on a weekly basis. Um, which is very different than like what we kind of our grassroots was meeting up in person. And so there's, there's, there's an energy to that. Mm -hmm. And there's also, like I was saying, a, a pretty high demand for daily connection. Yeah. And, uh, and with, with technology, we could totally bridge that gap. And we are, and we're finding better ways to do it every day. We're revamping the brothership seems like on a, on a, on a monthly basis to make it more accessible and more effective. Wow. For, uh, for co-stewarding the return of the father archetype, man. And yeah. it's, it's beautiful. So I, I wanted to know, going back to Reiki, how, yeah. does it, how does it work exactly? So the beauty of it is it, it's like working. It's everything. It's everything in like a, a, a beautifully chaotic and simple, yet simple delivery system. And so Reiki is a Japanese word that means universal life force. So it, it's akin to chi or prana in the, in the yogic traditions or energy in our, in our language. And um, effectively what happens in a Reiki session is the practitioner will open themselves up and fill themselves up with Reiki. And what that looks like and what that's experienced as in terms of the practitioner is like this state of kind of like, it's not no mind, but it, it, it's really just the state of like an observe, like a peaceful, serene observer state. So the practitioner is observing their thoughts, they're observing their emotions, and they're able to be fully present for um, whoever they're working with. 
And so what happens between um, the practitioner and the client is the practitioner will fill themselves up to the point of overflow. So they're not taking their own energy and putting it into the client. They're also not taking the client's energy and putting it in them and sending it down or whatever. It, it, it's all about overflow. It's this idea that if your cup is overflowing, then you are naturally going to be a healing presence for whoever you're around. And mm-hmm. so it's just a Reiki session. How it works is it's just kind of like a focus session. So typically for me, sessions will last 40 to 90 minutes, depending on um, the person and the circumstances and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a place for that person to fully relax and then be able to go a bit deeper because there is the presence of another who is, who is like holding an even deeper state of serenity and peace because that's something that I practice on the daily. Like I do daily meditations, I do daily self-care practices, and it changes for me. Um, but it's like it's, it's a daily thing for me, and that kind of keeps my cup full and overflowing. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, so that's, that's how Reiki works. And what's cool about bio, bio, um, biologically it's like if you think about if you stub your toe or your stomach hurts or you have a headache, the natural inclination is to put your hands on those parts of your body. Yeah. And so, it, and it, it's, it's, again, it's, it's, it's really a simple thing, but to just simply use the hands to hold is what they're meant, is what they're meant to do. They're meant to hold things. Mm-hmm. And so for us to do that, to share that in a way with each other, in a professional setting is kind of what's emerged. Like a lot of the, um, the healing modalities and the energy healing modalities for me personally, it's all, it's all Reiki. Yeah. Yoga is Reiki, you know, breath work. It's all Reiki. We're, we're working with what has been given to us. We just, we just accept what's offered to us and we do so with, you know, we set intentions, we offer blessings. Uh, but ultimately it's like, it's really just about, spending time in those relaxed states because our society today is so go, 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 do, 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 do. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of opportunities that we're creating for ourselves to just be with ourselves, to be with whatever emotions, whatever physical sensations are going on, whatever memories and thoughts are going on. We're always just, we're kind of like, we're looking to, um, and I think it's great um, that your podcast is about optimization because what I've learned about optimization is that so often optimization doesn't really look like what we think it looks like Yeah. and tuning into the deeper layers of optimization. Sometimes the most optimal thing you can do is just lay down and take a nap. It's, it, it's very much so having that relaxed space and then healing just magic. It just turns on. Okay. It's like when you sleep at night, your body will rejuvenate and heal itself. And with Reiki, you're kind of like suspended in between sleep and awake. Like a lot of people will, will um, make note of that. Like I felt like I was sleeping, but then I would wake up, but I'm not fully awake. And I'm like, dude, that's where the, that's where the sauce is. That's mm-hmm. where the, the, the healing, the body will actually kick into um, a regenerative state. And so really it's just, it's the body doing its own thing. So as I could go into explaining it and dissecting it as much as, you know, we have time for and at, at its core level, it's just letting the body heal itself. Mm. And Reiki is the witnessing of that and the honoring of that and the holding space for the body to heal itself. 
Okay, so wherever you put your energy to, that's the part that will be getting some kind of healing. You know, it's funny because it's like in the beginning, I was like very much so I had to direct it with my hands and I was very into that. Um, but really, Reiki is going to flow wherever it needs to flow. If it needs to go to your foot, but I'm holding your head, it'll go through your body into your foot or it'll go directly from wherever my hands are straight into the foot. One cool thing about Reiki is that we can we can offer healing to people over a distance as well, hmm. which could look like, you know, we'll we'd be on a video call or maybe even a phone call, but there actually doesn't even have to be any connection at all as long as one person is open to receiving and the other person is open to giving yeah. and both both do the necessary they get themselves to the necessary place of like okay, I'm going to sit down and receive this or I'm going to lay down and receive this. And then on my end, am I actually going to sit down and, and send the healing and send through that intention? But it's really, again, like such a simple and powerful thing to humble myself before because it's like I'm, I'm not actually controlling anything. I'm not controlling the energy. I'm not sending it anywhere in particular. I think there's a part of me that likes to think that and um, I'm not like rooting that out. It's just what I've, what I've experienced is that so often people are going to get the healing that they need as soon as they open themselves up to receiving it. Mm. And so it's, it's, I've become kind of like the middleman of like, here's the blessings that you know you deserve and you want to receive. I'm here to just let you know that you actually do deserve that. Because yeah. I, don't, I don't have the, the prejudices or the judgments or the feelings that you have towards yourself. I don't have those towards you. I'm coming in as like, the, the neutral middle ground, the objective one to be like, you're a human being. You're told, I don't care what you've done. The fact that you're opening yourself to receiving this healing in this moment, this means that you deserve it. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's, it's been, it's been, um, that is beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Thanks man. It's, it's been really, like deeply humbling and uh, such a power, like a, a great honor for me to hold the space for, um, for friends, for family, and then also for like total strangers. Well, do you know if there's any scientific research to demonstrate how Reiki works? You know, they, they do have they do have research um, in terms of like muscle relaxation and blood flow and circulation and things like that. Um, I tend not to use that in in terms of like validation or anything because mm-hmm. to me that's kind of just more of. You know, oh, it, will it work for this person? But will it work for me? And that's the real question that people want to know is like, okay, is, is that going to work for me? And same thing with meditation. People are like, oh, I don't think I'm doing it right. I'm like, well, did you sit down for five minutes and just sit still? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, well, then you did it right. Um, and it's kind of one of those things that you really just got to experience for yourself firsthand. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is there is more information. There is more um, studies and things like that coming out. Um, you can definitely like people drop from their like more alpha beta brainwaves into their delta theta um, during Reiki. But it, again, it's like, it's not exactly the Reiki doing that. It's the fact that they're sitting down and being still. And the fact that there are two, that there is a body that's opening up to receiving the healing. Mm. It's, it's really funny. I'm kind of like a walking placebo. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm like, I'm not tripping about that either. Cause it's like, I know how powerful the mind is. I know I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen so many just like miraculous healings happen. Yeah. And it's just like, I like, it's so funny because I'm like, well, I didn't, I didn't like do anything. I was just, I was being 
with the person. Yeah. And so, it's, yeah, yeah it's, it's really fun and kind of like a, a mind job and has, has been a, a big uh, lesson for me in like releasing control and uh, releasing attachment to outcomes and expectations because sometimes it's like someone is meant to be sick or they're meant to be going and pretty much all the time if something happens it's like it's meant to happen there's some kind of lesson there's some kind of like inherent wisdom that's kind of encoded and encrypted within the experience that again when someone opens up to healing it doesn't mean that their sickness is miraculously you know or their affliction is miraculously healed it's more like their awareness shifts to a place of seeing how, wow, I put myself in this situation and I can take myself out. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a fuck reality check. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. It's, Magical reality check. It's interesting how the mind can heal you or it can make you sick. Totally. We can manifest so many diseases that were caused from emotion, from trauma, from just anything negative. And that just tells you how much power that we each have that some or a lot of us don't even know. That's the, the crazy thing about it is like so many people don't want to manifest their dreams and don't want to heal because they don't want to take ownership of the fact that they manifested all the blockages that are keeping them from their dreams or they manifested the illness or the disease or the sickness or the, the breakup or even the crappy relationship or the bad job. And as soon as that, that level of ownership is taken, then it's like the real process of creating whatever you want can start to, can start to unfold. But dude, the mind is like, can't, I, does, nothing exists without the mind. Yeah. It's, just, it's, it's so inherently, and it's, it's cool too in working with this because the mind and the body, like people, people think the mind is in the brain. And it's like really a lot mm. of your, your mind is, everywhere man it is, yeah it's everywhere it's, it's in your body it's even outside your body i'm assuming that anyone can learn reiki um, absolutely what are the steps and is it affordable depending on who your teacher is mm -hmm. and what level of like commitment you want to go for um it's probably the most affordable uh healing modality and the most simple and in my opinion effective that's out there and the steps effectively look like finding a master and receiving attunements from them. And so essentially a master is someone um, like myself who has dedicated years to study, practice, um, innovation, just basically working with, the, uh, with Reiki, with the energy and exposing myself to it. And what that does is that kind of over time, it attunes me the same way like you would tune a string on a guitar. Mm -hmm. It attunes me to, this, to the Reiki frequency and um, in the traditional lineage, they called it Anshin Ritsume, which effectively means a peaceful life supported by a peaceful mind. And what, what, the, like what we know in the Western days in terms of attunement is it's, like, it's, it's kind of like a degree, right? So it's like you go, you study, maybe you take a test, but at some point someone gives you a piece of paper that says like you're attuned to this frequency. And with Western Reiki, it's kind of similar where you go to a master, they'll typically have a course that you can take. They teach you about the history. They teach you about Reiki. They talk to you about the, you know, the myths and whatnot. But ultimately, they're looking to um, get you into the habit of practicing Reiki on a daily basis. And there's a handful of different techniques to do that. And effectively, we're doing that already in terms of like you breathe, you eat, you shower, you know, 
you you make love, you exercise. There's, these are all Reiki practices, but to do it with a more mindful perspective and then to overlay some of the really like simple traditional meditations and practices and techniques, mm-hmm. um, again, over time will attune you to a frequency where it's like your cup is overflowing. And so that's the first attunement is just getting yourself to this place where you can fill yourself up with life and the trust of life and the acknowledgement of life and its ups and downs to get to the point where you have that overflow happening within yourself. And then Reiki 2 is where the, uh, the student will open up to working with others in a more professional setting. Okay. So it's like with a Reiki 1 attunement, you can share Reiki with other people, you, but ideally it's like this is, this is for you. This is for, for the student to just um, heal and get perspective on their own lives and, and increase their capacity for love, loving themselves, loving others. And Reiki 2 is designed to kind of like open up the portals in the hands a little bit more mm-hmm. and allow them to connect with other people. So there's um, a series of sacred symbols that are introduced to the student. There's often like actual practical sessions where it's like either the teacher or someone else, maybe other fellow students. The way I do it is I, I have the students practice on each other. Okay. Because again, it, it's really about practice. Like we could spend all day talking about oh yeah, this symbol does this and this symbol does that. But if I can put you in a situation and I say, okay, invoke this symbol. What are you feeling? Invoke the next symbol. What are you feeling there? And really give people like a tangible experience of it. To me, that's where um, a lot of the value is. Mm. And so after that attunement, that's like, you're good. You can, you can go, um, you're able to go out, start a business or start practicing with other people. Um, and it's really as simple as that. I received my, uh, both of those attunements for a total of like 500 bucks. Okay. And there's, there's, wow, there's teachers, right. There's teachers that'll do it for cheaper. Um, and it's like, they'll give you a handbook and you know, like that's it. And then they'll, they'll offer you a, like a, a little attunement ritual. Um, which is again, the, the attunement ritual is like a five, 10 minute, not even 10 minute, like five max, uh, attunement where you know there's hands are laid words are said but ultimately what it is it's an initiation into like a lifelong practice of reiki Mm -hmm. and so it's not like you get attuned and then it's like you stay in tune forever just like everything with guitars with you know physical fitness even with hygiene there's like a natural kind of um, degeneracy that happens and if you're not up keeping up to date on your regimen, your meditations, your practice, it's like your, your cup will, will gradually start to empty. But typically at that point, the attunement marks like this is the most attuned you've ever been to Reiki. And this is like, this is your baseline. And so the idea is to continue as the days go by, the idea is to continue increasing your capacity for uh, love increasing your sensitivity to Reiki and energy as a whole by increasing your sensitivity and your awareness of your bodily functions and your energetic functions, which then open the door to becoming more perceptive and more psychic of other people's energies and, and working with other people and other circumstances and like that. Mm. And then the master and teacher path to me personally are just like very, very, unique there's no typical master path i mean some people some teachers will have classes where it's like there's a master symbol there's um you know some like deeper practices and whatnot 
but for me, mastery is all about like, what are the barriers between you and living completely on purpose? Mm. And that looks so different for, for many people. For me, yeah. So, and then the teacher path is like, you learn how to kind of administer the, um, the attunements and you get deeper knowledge on the teachings and whatnot. But um, at that point, I like to take, I'll do classes for one and two, mm-hmm. but personally, I like to take on, um, and I've only had a handful of people that have come to me and I've actually been inspired to take them to master and to teacher level because most people don't want to be, they really don't want to be a master. Mm. They want, they want to, is there a reason? Like have the, yeah, I mean, I think people, they're like, they like the idea of being a master and especially in the West, it's like the more mastery you have over something, the better. But when I reveal to them, I'm like, look, this is actually about becoming a slave to Reiki. (laughs) This is about (laughs) saying, this is about being a good soldier of God. And when God says like, put hands here or do this or do that, you're connected enough to know, okay, I'm going to trust spirit and where spirit is inviting me to, to show up and be. And so a lot of people are like, well, what is that? You know, what does, what does that look like? And I'm like, dude, you, I can't tell you. <laughs> it's like you, we, we can, we can, we can kind of go about it, but it's like, I noticed, I noticed people kind of like taper off. Cause again, they're not actually looking for, um, what it is that the actual, state of Reiki mastery offers, they're looking for what they think it looks like, which is, oh, I'm the master. I control this energy. I can heal people miraculously. It's actually not, not like that. And then teacher is even more, more so kind of off the deep end of like, a lot of people think that it's like, oh, the teacher knows everything. But the teacher is, in my opinion, just like the greatest student. Yeah. I've been the student the longest. I'm open to being more of the student. I have more teachers now than I did uh, when I started. And because of that, again, my overflow is, is, is useful to other people. I feel like in each healing modality, you should be able and continue to do that and never feel like okay. you have reached the top or whatever the top is. Yeah. Like the top, the top is not, I mean, when you get to Reiki master and you get to Reiki teacher, for me, that's like when my journey really started the way I see it. It's like, that's when my, like, I actually was like, okay. Now I, now I see that's when I went full time Reiki. That's when I kind of like left my other jobs behind my other sources of income behind and was like, all right, you want me to just do Reiki full time spirit? Okay. Yeah. I trust it. And it's, it's been working for the past three years. So what is the importance of movement? You talk a lot about movement and how mm. important it is for the body. What do you think your take is on movement? I love, I love, I love this. Love talking about movement. I'm like moving my body right now as we're talking. <laughs> I need to move um, mine. I'm just sitting in this chair right now. Well, feel free to feel free to move it, bro. Like yeah. there's so many little micro movements that are available to us. Like if you think about blinking your eyes, if you could blink your eyes more consciously this next time that you blink. Oh yeah. It, it's like it's it's sensational. So for me, movement is like everyone's moving. What there's a lack of, there's not necessarily a lack of movement. There's a lack of awareness of movement and the fact that like energy is constantly moving. Our physically bodies are constantly moving. There's blood pumping through us. And so to acknowledge it is really where there's, there's so much power. And you'll love this because this is like an actual study they did. They took um, a, a group of women who worked at a hotel. They split them into two groups. And they gave them like trackers and health trackers. And they, they took some baseline tests for them with one group. They just said, don't do it. Just do your normal days. 
and they got their data from that group. The second group, they told them about all the ways that everything that they do, like taking this many steps burns this many calories and it burns up this much fat and it releases this level of, you know, dopamine and serotonin hits in your brain, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then they were set off to do the same task. And the women that were educated actually received more benefits from the same tasks that the other women were doing, but because they weren't consciously aware of it, the women didn't receive benefits, whereas the women that were actually consciously aware of it received the benefits. Wow. So, it, yeah, it's, it's wild. Again, power of the mind. Yes. Uh, and in terms of movement, I think movement is, for me, the way I was introduced to movement was through uh, martial arts. Mm-hmm. which is another like branch to me, another branch of, um, of movement is like really connectivity. Like it's awesome to move on your own and it's, it's infinitely more interesting to move with another person. Um, and so I learned a lot about that, like dynamics of, you know, sparring and doing forms and things like that on a chemical level, it, movement just, it makes sense. Like if something isn't moving, it's dead. If something is moving, it's alive. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, to speak on the, like, the actual chemistry of it, I wouldn't say I'm qualified enough, but the actual feeling of it, the feeling of, um, like, taking an emotion or something that you're working through to the gym and, like, moving it through your body. It's like the body has these kind of, like, natural filters. Some people call them chakras, energy centers, things like that. And when, when you become more aware of how the energy is moving through those filters and how it's, like, either enhancing the, the movement or like hindering the movement of each of those centers, it really becomes evident how vital movement is to being alive and living, like living to the mat, like soaking up all the experience that you can. Because if, again, if you're not moving, it's like death, death can creep in in a lot of ways, yeah. a lot of subtle ways. And also it's like, you know, when we're in our 20s and, and 30s, or even teenagers, teenage years, 20s and 30s, when we're really like, figuring out what it is that we like and what we want to do, not a lot of us get that opportunity. And so not a lot of us will figure out what it is that we actually like and what we want to do. So that way, when it comes time to stop working, we're like, well, sh- what am I supposed to do? I don't know what I like to do. I spent the last 30 years working yeah. so that I could be here and not know what to do. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a really um, interesting kind of paradox that I feel like I'm so grateful because so many people are waking up and just like, you know, quitting their jobs or divorcing, you know, the person that they've spent, you know, they got married at 19 years old and they're realizing, man, we're not compatible anymore, but they're, they're just taking sovereignty. They're taking command of their, of their lives again and really just moving forward because there's no way to change the past, but there's definitely a way to change the story that we have about the past. Can you explain what Kundalini yoga is? Yeah, for sure. Um, so Kundalini yoga is a, um, well, as a, as a, as a, like a practical thing, it's, it's a style of yoga that, um, was brought here from India and it, it's focused very much so on activating the Kundalini energy, which is, they visualized as a sleeping serpent at the base of the spine. Mm. And through doing these like really intense breathwork practices, you could actually, awaken that serpent and all that that essentially it's like uh material physical energy Mm -hmm. is able to sublimate up the spine and be used for what they would deem as or what some would deem as like more spiritual purposes and more spiritual ventures um reiki and kundalini have a, a lot of similarity in that like 
that sleeping serpent, that, that energy is present within every single human being and that their willingness to wake that energy up is, is going to determine how, um, how much of that energy they experience, like from a, in a spiritual way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all just about the willingness to, to do that. But, um, the Kundalini lineage, and it's, it's a really strict lineage. Um, and like, there's a, there's a community and it's all focused around, um, around like these certain practices, like they're all vegan. They all have like a certain, um, attire that they wear when they come to Kundalini yoga. Uh, and there's some like outliers, but like, the central core of it is, is pretty, uh, and not in a negative way, but very dogmatic. I've had actually a lot of friends um, who had their spiritual awakening through Kundalini yoga kind of take a step back to sim- in a similar way to, uh, that I did with Reiki mm-hmm. and be like, okay, where's, where's the dogma and where's the truth? Mm-hmm. And how can, we, how can I strip away the dogma and just, just be with the truth? And so like all the techniques that Kundalini yoga uses, breath of fire, um, the different kriyas, which are uh, asanas, which are like postures and positions and practices that they use. Mm-hmm. What they're, a lot of what they're doing is, and it's, it's great because it segues perfectly from the movement thing that they were talking about, is they're just moving the body. Yeah. They're, they're, they're allowing the energy that's moving in the body to actually move the physical body rather than what a lot, what a lot of um, our culture has been taught to do, which is suppress the energy, suppress the emotion, suppress the movement, and just like, just hold, um, hold it firm for whatever reason. Yeah. So many different reasons. But yeah, Kundalini Yoga is, it, it, and it's a beautiful, powerful practice and it, it, it's a part of my, uh, my toolkit for sure. I know quite a few uh, different kriyas and different sequences for, for different things. Uh, but again, to me, it's all, it's all Reiki. Mm-hmm. It's all, we're all just, we're just, we're working with um, the infinite source of energy yeah. that is permeates us and creates us and moves through us and out of us. Yeah. Um, I yeah. wanted to touch a little bit of what you spoke of before about when people have trapped emotions. Uh-huh. I was speaking to someone recently about that, how let's say something happened at work and you got really angry and instead of expressing the anger you just keep it in and then you never release it and same for like sadness or happiness and just anything and instead of like making a a loud noise or or just just getting it out somehow or just crying we just hold it in and it traps us and that can manifest into disease as well so absolutely why do you feel that over time, we've been taught that you have to keep it together and follow this norm of society. Great question. You know, I, I think it's there's. It seems like there's been like a, a an, an, an like an evolution that happened. Like at one point, our biggest concern was like let's stay alive and not get eaten by tigers. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that mindset has kind of continued to play a pretty big role like there's there's a lot of our brothers and sisters out there who are just still trying not to get eaten by tigers yeah the thing is like we're not we're not a threat from tigers anymore um and so to me it's it's just kind of like outdated um traditions that have yet to be really um honored and uh sort of updated because I'm, I'm, all, I'm all about traditions, I'm all about lineages, 
And I'm also present that what worked, you know, five, 600 years ago, it may work still today, but that doesn't mean that that's the best that it can be. Yeah. It's like this whole, this whole trend of optimization is asking ourselves the question is like, well, can, can it be better? Can we make it more streamlined, more effective? And um, I think probably one of the biggest hits in terms of this like energy getting trapped in the body that we as human beings took is when we moved away from the sort of like tribal style of living mm-hmm. and we moved more into this like kind of individual single family um, kind of way of living. And uh, cause it's like the tribal element is still there. People have friends, they have work, they have all that stuff. But from like a really, really early age, like I, I was interesting. I was at the zoo with my niece and there was a man walking with his son and the son was just like, you know, kind of dawdling around and they were about to cross the street. And the father says, Hey, think about what you're doing. And that seems like really harmless, but for a kid, to hear that, and those are like, those. maybe he's getting hammered by that, you know, seven, eight, nine times, ten times a day, and to the point where he's going into adulthood literally thinking about everything that he's doing, and he's never taught, hey, feel, feel into to what you're doing. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think a lot of it, man, is, is ignorance, and I also think a lot of it is, it's the fact, it's like, it's our sacred opportunity to, um, to heal from the suppression because what happens a lot of the times is when we when we have like a charged emotion instead of expressing it which is what human beings in my opinion one of the highest function of the human being is to express what happens is we'll explain it and we'll get like a taste we'll get a taste of the expression but it won't it won't be fully expressed and so when something isn't fully expressed there's always that feeling of like man that wasn't fully expressed and then typically there's, there's situations of like, well, why wasn't it fully expressed? Well, I didn't feel safe. I'm not well practiced. I'm not good at expressing. I didn't feel like the person was actually listening. They actually wanted to experience my expression. So there's so many different things, but definitely coming back to that, like, as we're coming more together as a tribe, in terms of like collective values, us rallying around energy, us rallying around um, human optimization, health and wellness, mental health, emotional health, all that, it seems like the tribes are starting to come back together. And um, that's, and it's creating a safe environment for a lot of us to experience our emotions and, uh, and really kind of get back in touch with what it means to be a human being. Do you feel that grounding and uh, there's a new term I heard, earthing, earthing are important things for us to do? Totally. One of the physical things that I love about earthing and, and grounding is the fact that we absorb a lot of minerals through our feet, through our skin. And so literally walking on earth, there's like iron oxides that you'll be able to pick up and just different like minerals that you'll, your feet will actually absorb from the earth. So that's, that's like a, it's a connection point. It's like you're, you open up the channels between yourself and the earth. And um, a lot of time we have rubber, yeah. an insulator. So it's like, it's literally the electricity that would be moving through the planet into us mm. stops at our oh, rubber soles. That's so true, yes. So there's, there's that element of it. There's also the element of it, of the sensitivity of like, when you're barefoot on the ground, you can actually feel the earth. You can physically feel it. And it's a very different experience. Again, there's just like, there's just these like buffers um, in between us and the actual authentic and real connection mm-hmm. that that's possible. Um, but that's actually something that I teach to a lot of my students 
in terms of like meditations and walking meditations. It's like, just get barefoot, go walk around and breathe on the earth. Um, in terms of earthing, I'm sure there's, there's definitely ways to incorporate breathing techniques. There's so many different ways to do that. And for me, I'm definitely not a purist, but I definitely love the idea of allowing grounding and earthing to just literally be standing on the earth and just letting it be as, as simple as that. Because there's so many things happening already with mm-hmm. that. It's kind of like the mind actually that can't move that fast. Spirit moves a lot faster than, than the mind does. And so to just allow yourself to be there, just be on the earth, dude, it's, it's just so powerful. To like feel gravity pressing down on you. Yeah. Yeah, man. And then feel your body holding up, like pushing up against gravity. Oh, dude, it's, it's like there's these, there's these simple things, simple realizations that happen in that, in that space of like, there's no goal here. It's not like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to earth so that I can be more grounded. It's like I'm... I'm I'm going to earth because it feels right. (laughs) Yeah. What does it mean to you to have true inner peace? Mm, That's a wonderful question, man. I would say as long as I have my choice, I think inner peace, inner peace is accessible. Mm -hmm. Um, Choosing for me, inner peace is, it's like the baseline of everything. Peace is what exists and all the emotions and everything else kind of exist on top of that or as an outer layer. And so for me to have inner peace really is all about my ability and my decision to choose to be peaceful and choose to be loving mm-hmm. in situations that I could choose to be um, angry or hateful. Like I actually, my brother told me this parable and um, it's, it's beautiful and it's not even a parable, it's like it's just a little story. But so there's this snake and it's, on, it's in a fire and this man comes up and he, he tries to save the snake and he pulls the snake up. And as he's pulling the snake up out of the fire, the snake bites him and he drops it back in the fire. He dresses the wound and then he goes and tries to save the snake again. And another man who's there witnessing this whole thing happening, he goes, hey, why are you trying to save this snake? It just bit you. And like, what's up with that? And the man saving the snake says, I'm not going to let this thing's nature change my nature. It's in the snake's nature to bite. It's in my nature to have compassion. And so that's something that's been like sticking with me pretty, pretty deeply through it because so much of like the heightened emotions and the anger and and the sadness that I feel that's projected outwards is really, it's really something internal that's going on. And so for me, it's peace. It's, it brings me a lot of peace knowing that I can always address maybe something seems like it's externally being created but i know that it's internal creation external reflection Mm. and so it's that's that's where i draw a lot of my peace from is knowing that man if there's something that i don't like about this situation or this person like what is that actually saying about me and how can i go in there compassionately and lovingly and kind of just tease things out because I've, i've been in places where i will be like a, like a, a, a PI, like a, you know, an investigator yeah. and like an FBI and just like crack down on myself. And there's a lot of like judgment and really harsh energy there, but to do it in more like of a, of a curious way of like, I'm genuinely now just interested in what's going on in my internal world and how that's being reflected back to me in, in the physical world. And dude, it's, it's just like, it's, it's such a sweet, it's like an exciting journey because I don't really know 
Yeah. I don't really know. Like, it's funny when we do check-ins at Sacred Sons and sometimes the prompt is like, why are you here? My answer is always like, I don't know why I'm here. This, it feels right for me to be here. And I reckon at the end of this, I'll have a bunch of like numerous reasons why I was here. Mm-hmm. But the great, it's like the great mystery. And it, it, it's funny because it can go either way. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. So I'm at peace. And also like, I don't know what's going to happen. So I'm freaked out. Yeah. And it's really just, it just comes down to a choice of like, do we trust the great mystery? Do we try? And it's like, it brings up that whole like life after death thing. Mm-hmm. Like, personally, I believe that death is a part of life. Yeah. And so I'm not, I'm not afraid of death. I definitely don't. I'm like, there's a lot of stuff that I want to experience. I have that self-preservation totally online, but it's like, like death and peace. If you make death, if you make peace with death, you become familiar with death and you allow yourself to go there into death and I've allowed myself to go there and in different ceremonies and whatnot it it really it really just enhances life in such a beautiful way the same way like going into your sadness and going into your anger or going into your pain pain is just a sensation same as pleasure but it allows for a more full experience of life um, whereas most people will kind of like cap themselves off mm-hmm. with like ceilings of judgments and prejudices and whatnot. The more we can remove that, the more we reveal like, Oh, it's all, it's all peace. It's all peace under here. Yeah. Once we allow the rage and it's wild too. Like if you see someone get like really mad and really go to the end of their rage, they'll, they'll collapse in exhaustion and they'll be at peace. Finally, yeah. same with sadness, same with happiness and excitement. It's, it's it always gets to that point where it's like, okay, body wants to rest now and reiki is like all right let the body rest (laughs) well marco thank you so much for being on the podcast today thank you just for just for teaching me teaching me more about reiki and for teaching the listeners about reiki so thank you so much it's a deep honor to to continue to share this work and my hope is that just like you said people people take command of their experience and they just you know every 15 minutes set a timer do something do what's an act of self-love how can you relax a little bit more how can you release the tension in your jaw or release the tension in your hips and just give people permission with my own life and inspire them to just give that to themselves no one's gonna heal you you gotta heal yourself that's (laughs) yes that is so true no one can heal you you have to heal yourself yeah exactly yeah so let the um listeners know where they can find you well you can find me at reiki marco r-e-i-k-i-m-a-r-c-o uh reiki marco.com reiki marco on instagram uh if you like music follow my music account coco bones music on instagram and then for all the brothers out there and the sisters as well we get a lot of support from our sisters definitely check out sacred sun uh, sacredsons.com sacredsons on instagram and um yeah reach out we're we're very very excited to um connect i'm very excited to connect and share what i know and learn more always well thanks again marco for being on the black biohacker thanks you guys for listening and we'll see you soon <laughs>